0: The topic tonight, which I've changed a couple times, and just so I know, everybody knows what happened in San Bernardino down south today. Okay, so it's another sign of the times. Um, I have been, I already had this prepared actually for a week. It's overcoming care and fear in perilous times. And I already had it for a while. I've actually taught this particular scripture, oh, many times, more than once. So turn to Philippians 4, 6, but I want to say this. I thought about this today. What is our reaction as Christians? We, we, I believe, uh, having gone overseas a lot of times in the past, you know, preaching and then uh, a couple times visiting people, but then uh, they're always Christians, so we pray over the cities And the state, the countries that they're in. Um, I will tell you, America's a different church than the church overseas and around the world. And it's different than those that are European as opposed to those that are third world countries. There's a difference in the church in poverty ridden areas. And I know we have poverty in America, but I mean where the whole country's poor as there is in countries that are a little bit more along the lines of financial ability as America is. There's a difference in all, and there's something to be gained by embracing and wanting to know the Christians that are not just Western Christians. Because there is a different mindset. And in America, in the United States, now I'm, I'm sharing from my heart I believe I have the okay from the Lord, but I'm just sharing, like Paul said, and this is me speaking and not necessarily the Lord <laughs> as far as direct words. Um, there's this sort of underlying belief that we will never be touched as the horrors of some con- things that happen in other countries are touched, and it, it, there has been in many people, now I would never say this of any of our Wednesday night people for sure, but there's a, a certain complacency. And we've all been hearing for at least three to five years, the church needs to wake up, the church needs to wake up. And, and I would say largely the church in America. Well, Jesus has told us to stay awake all the time since, since Paul was preaching <laughs> and since Jesus was preaching. So that's, um let's see, uh, 2,000 years or so. So it's not really new. In fact, in Isaiah uh, 29, from which is quoted in the New Testament, with their mouths they do um, uh, praise me or worship me, but their hearts are far away. That's actually a quote from something he said in Isaiah 29 in which he he talks about how because they became religious, he granted and gave unto them a slumbering spirit. So if we're religious, we're open candidates to be asleep. And I believe because of our sophisticated religion across the United States that a byproduct of it scripturally even is a slumber. So, it's time to be real, but not to be scared. If, if, if there is anybody in this earth that should not be afraid, it's us. We were born, as Esther was, for such a time as this. God did not make a mistake and say, oops, Becky shouldn't have been born in this century. Or it lived in this century. Or hope shouldn't be in this century. She should be back in the 1900s or the 1800s. God knew we would be here in a time when I don't... I believe every Christian that I know that I've heard in in many different denominations is said, we're in the last of days. We're in the end of days. Scripturally... We could be raptured at any time, and that's the truth. And though we, we do take hope in that, we are excited about that, that, that we know uh, tribulation and other things are going to come, and I don't mean the formal tribulation. The days of wrath, as in the formal tribulation, is the last three and a half years of the seven years. The first three and a half are when the Antichrist sets up and makes everybody think everything's cool and there's peace. But I believe scripturally and uh, most of the prophetic teachers that I've listened to and studied because I'm not as bright as them believe that we will be before the seven years. And that coincides with uh, uh, the Jewish pattern all through the Old Testament that Jesus also walked and kept and referred to in the New Testament in which there is uh, the wedding, the wedding feast, and then seven days the bride and groom are alone, which coincides with seven years. So, For different various reasons, I'm of that schooling. But either way, that doesn't mean that tribulation in life or perilous times, as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, will come. Now, we have a tendency to look at incidents. For instance, what happened today. But when Paul mentioned that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he goes on to talk about men's behaviors And then evil. Men will be lovers of self, disobedient to parents. And he goes on, but he talks about character. Now, the incidents that are discussed are mostly discussed that we talk about today are in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. And then there's the fear and the worries that could come upon us because of the things in the world. And then there's the fears and the worries that can come upon us about our concerns for our own selves, on like there's the world level and there's the personal level. So the main scripture and text is in Philippians 4, 6 and 7 about overcoming care and fear. But I found out how relevant this would be tonight concerning the things that happened today. And how um I want to share first of all with you because I am going to share that scripture. Let's just read it right now. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." Now, that's the text we're going to go over tonight and break it down a little bit. But I wanted to start with Luke twenty-one twenty-five, starting at verse 25. And I want to share something with you. Um, I have done a lot of background research, and so I'm asking God to pare it down uh, for me so that I don't uh, overwhelm your brains. Because my brain is very full with information but it needs to be anointed and not just information, correct? Okay, Matthew 24 and and Luke 21 cover both mentioning a time of sorrows. We've heard the earthquakes, tumultuous seas, and et cetera, et cetera, that we know will happen in the last days, correct? Um, But there are two separate incidents that Jesus spoke. They are not identical. And even in reading them, they are not identical. And in Luke 21, it talks about really the first dispensation of the Jews and the temple being broken down, and he warns them. And that happens, I think, something like 34 years after he says that, to them that you should flee to the hills during that time. I'm I'm paraphrasing this as to not read all the scripture because I have certain meat that I want to get to at the end of the scripture that pertains more to us. Um, Now in Matthew when he discusses the time of sorrows he says, and then meaning afterwards. And then that scripture and in that context of those things it has to do more with the Jews in the last days. In Luke 21, he starts off speaking specifically about the temple, it being torn down and telling them to go to the hills and that every stone will come down. And then he goes into discussing about the second advent or his second coming. And that's what I want to read because that does pertain to us. Now, I will tell you this, that when Titus came in, and, and they came in to besiege Jerusalem, because many people did listen, Jews did listen to Jesus, many did leave the city before that took place and dispersed. And it's a good thing, because we know about, how many of you know of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem? Okay, did you know that 1.1 million people were killed in that event? 97,000 were taken as slaves and captives. And most of those one million plus were Jewish. But there were some, after heeding Jesus' words, that had left as he told, had told them to do. So now that's the real specific. And you know many prophecies are something that happens at that time, in that moment, and yet have a double meaning in that they also pertain to the future. So I just want to share that. Secondly, I want to share with you a little bit about the book of Philippians. Now, you remember in Acts 16 when, when um, Paul went to Philippi with um, Silas. Remember, they cast that spirit. They met Lydia by the river. Do you know why they met her by the river? Because if you didn't have ten Jewish men, you could not start a synagogue. So there weren't enough Jewish men to have a synagogue and the Jews understood that if there wasn't a synagogue, they would meet for prayer by a river that was in that city. So I found that very interesting. So that's why they knew to go there to see if they could find any Jews or, that were praying. Now, Lydia's heart had already been opened, as Acts 16 says, for the word of the Lord. This is just background on Philippi, so you know his relation. Because the book of Philippians is a very loving and a very sweet book, Uh, Even though he does do a little bit of rebuking, it's not a lot. It's mostly how to live, rejoice, 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 rejoice. So I wanted you to know the background of these people that he had been with. Now also, Philippi is in Europe. And before that, Paul had been in Asia. But he wanted to stay in Asia, but he was blocked twice by the Holy Ghost. You can read that in Acts 16. So they went across the water and they went into Europe, stopped at one city, but they didn't preach until they were in Philippi. They didn't have a, a base of ministry until Philippi. Now, the Philippians were a very proud people about the fact that even though they were in Europe, they were a Roman colony. And they they were proud about that. So that's also something that made them different from other cities in the area. So as he went there, he met Lydia. That began a little mini revival with people that were Jewish. And then, of course, as the enemy does, if you're going to go and take any territory, you're going to have a fight. If If you're anointed... And if you're called of God, and if you're moving by the Spirit, you when you go to invade Satan's territory, you are going to have a fight. But what happened when they cast this demon out of this oracle of Delphi, which is what they were, that would get high in this seepage of this ground, gases that came out of the ground, which they thought it was just a supernatural thing, but she was actually also stoned. And there'd usually be two or three of them. And um, even Nero Nero went to see one, and and they um, would prophesy to people these wild utterances. And people would have to pay, and then go down a line, and then go see this person one by one. So she wasn't, you know, Fatima Marie on the corner for ten bucks reading your palm. This was heavy duty stuff. And people came from all over the known world to come and get these prophecies from these ladies. And she was one of them. And so, you know, she said, these men are showing a way of salvation. Now, that's one tactic of the enemy, either to attack you frontally or try to join you. That's food for thought. Try to join you. Even come into your territory, your churches, your buildings. And not wanting salvation and not just unsaved, planted, sent. Okay, anyway, so after a couple days, this so rails on Paul's spirit that he, under the unction, and that's when you cast out devils, under the unction, as the spirit leads, in the Gospels you will find what's written of Jesus casting out devils was after they manifested We don't need to go looking for them. Now, sometimes I cast little ones off people, usually headache ones and physical torments and things like that. But I mean when someone's possessed. So he casts the devil out, and she, of course, has been one that's been making this whole group of people in the town a lot of money. And so, of course, they're thrown in prison, they're put in stocks, they can't even move their hands, they can't move their feet... They've got, they're in the inner dungeon, which means if anyone escapes from the inner dungeon, any soldier, which would have then been Roman, would have to die for letting them out. And then, so the persecution comes after the word goes forth, but then what happens? Now, this place was known for having some earthquakes, but God just happened to tap his foot at the right time. And the earthquake came, everyone's bonds were loose. Now that's an interesting thing, because a wall coming down is one thing in an earthquake. Chains coming off that have been locked on your arms is another. So then you see that God, you have this attack, but then you see this great victory. But they began to sing praises and to worship the Lord. And in the book of Philippians, you know, he's talking to people that were there probably when this happened and the jailer, and all of his family that got saved. And here erupts this, this alive, vibrant uh, group of people that love God via this visit from Paul and Silas. So he's got a very close relationship with them. They're very precious to him. And so when he writes this, this uh, epistle of Philippians from which we get this scripture He's he's speaking with great fondness, and they're glad to hear from him because he's been imprisoned in Rome, in a house, howbeit that he rented, but they had these round the clock guards on him that changed every six hours that were the cream of the crop, probably because of the earthquake that got him loose one time before. And he's also about to be put before Nero. Nero was a bloodthirsty maniac. Paul could be killed at any day, maybe with his head cut off. Nero is the guy that would put Christians in pitch and put them on poles and light them on fire for when he had parties so there'd be light. It was insane. And he killed his mother. Anyway... Um, I just want to say this, that Paul was in prison, and yet he says over and over again, rejoice. He says, I'm so thankful. Even all the house of Caesar has heard the gospel, and they send a greeting to you. He was, all these guys that are coming to watch him and to guard him are getting saved. <laughs> and the royal, the royal house is hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's in prison, but he's not whining and moaning. He's rejoicing. Oh, my goodness, I felt like I needed to get saved all over again. (laughs) I mean, when you hear that, it's like, dear Lord, I moan and groan over the littlest of things. And he said, rejoice. And what we don't understand is it's not just a suggestion. It's not just that Paul was a uberman, as the Germans would call it, you know, superhuman, a super race, a type of people. Yes, he was magnificent. But he was flesh and blood like you and I You and me And he, he spoke this really out of his very innermost being To, you know, to live is, is Christ and to die is gain It didn't mean he wanted to die He said it's better that I stay here for you He was thrilled that even some spoke the gospel for right reasons Some for wrong reasons He goes either way it's being spoke so that's good you know, and, and here, this is one of the four prison epistles, if you want to know Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, which is that little short, bitty, little, tiny little book. But to understand that not only is he saying these things in a troublesome time when he could be murdered at any moment, but while he's in bonds, captive, and yet he's got a full blown ministry going on. I mean, people are coming to him to get the word, he doesn't need to leave. So, it's, it's really exciting when you think about that. Now, we quote this scripture, but now that you know that, let's read it again. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The understanding that I'm getting from uh, re- reading and studying about Philippians is that it's not just a suggestion, it's actually a way out of worry and fear. Now, I've known that about casting cares on the Lord, like First Peter 5-7 says, right? Cast your cares on the Lord, for he careth for you. And actually it says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, cast your cares on the Lord. You actually have to humble yourself to not leave it in your own grip. So we cast our cares on the Lord. I understand that part. But the rejoicing part I didn't quite get. And then he says, and then pray. So really there's three things there. And then he goes on to talk about what you let in your mind. Well, hello, hello. That's like being around someone negative all day. You ever had that happen and you just want to, "Oh, get out of here as soon as I can." It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, after a while, you just want to scream. But sometimes work or whatever, you're kind of stuck in that position. Family out, family gathering. We want Christmas to be so great, but there's almost always one relative that's the fly in the ointment that's the oh, makes you want to get crazy. Um Anyway, these are actually tools. I mean, the word of God gives us answers that we can put our teeth into. It's not like, oh, just rejoice in the Lord always and don't worry about anything. He's telling you, I've learned this. I'm in prison. I like to travel. I go on mission trips. I've been all over Asia. And now I've gone into Europe where I saw you. And if you want to know the whole situation of where he's at, it's at the end, Acts 28. If you want to know the situation, that's where he was writing from. And and he goes, I've learned this. I've done this. It works. And, and I just think that's so powerful that you know, it's one of those scriptures we kind of fall back on. I mean, I know I do. You know, be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. I mean, it's one of like my mainstays. But I didn't think about the reality of it being in a critical, crucial, perilous time, and not just when you're worried about whether or not PGE's paid, but when it's life and death. I know that we're familiar with what's happening in Ukraine. We're familiar with what happened in Paris. We're familiar with what's happening in God's time clock area, the Middle East. But you know what? We're not immune, and it's okay. Who said that persecution would come? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Who said that perilous times would come? Paul, Holy Ghost through Paul. Who said to, to not worry because I've overcome? Jesus. So, you know, and in, in uh, Peter said in, I believe it's 1 Peter chapter 4, when he said, these fiery trials that come. And it's interesting he used that phrase because that's when Nero was starting to really burn Christians. I mean, these people really were having their lives endangered that he was talking to. He said, why do we think it's strange? Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials. And yet I find that when we have fiery trials, we scratch our heads and think it's strange. I guess it's just the nature of people, isn't it? But that's why we have to make ourselves, hmm, yes, make our flesh. We choose, but then we have to make our flesh, listen to the word of God, and act like it's real. Like it's not just something we listen to on Sunday, we get a warm fuzzy, we go home. But really live by, live by. We have to live by this. And if we care about the world getting saved, maybe you don't have the same anointing like Hope does where she can just walk up to anybody and just witness and tell the gospel. That's evangelist anointing. Now we're all supposed to witness. We are. But how about the witness of how you live? That's mostly how most open doors come, is how you live. And if people see you freaked out and afraid, and and saying oh i'm just begging god or oh the devil did this i mean what kind of witness is it i'm just saying we got to shake up wake up i believe everybody's awake now we got to decide what we're going to do with it and it's easy to say when things are smooth and if we had a choice and if we could be god for a while we'd make everything smooth for us all of the time we really would but you know what people really watch those ones that are surly and nasty That say mean things to you, Leroy, at school and whatnot or where you work or around you. Those ones that act like they're really, they're bona fide. They could get paid for being an atheist. They're so good. Those kind of people, they're still watching you. And when something goes wrong, they're looking to see what you're going to do. They know that nobody's perfect. Come on. When they say, oh, you're a hypocrite, you guys are all hypocrites, that's baloney. They know better. That's just a standard phrase passed on generation to generation. They know. So when it's not whether or not you fall that freaks them out or affects them. It's how you get up. How you turn to God. And they say, wow, I don't have anybody to turn to. I guess I'll turn to my dope and my drugs, my best friend who's probably a loser anyway, and, or alcohol. I'll turn to something. But I don't have God to turn to. And as things come down the pike, as long as we are here, that's going to happen. And USA is not immune. So, okay, uh, Luke 21. Uh, I already made the distinction uh, with you from studying and from other teachers and, and commentaries. I want you to know this. Um, I like to learn, and I listen to people, and if I hear them exalt Jesus more than they do anything else, and not exalting themselves, and I can fact-check through the Bible what they say, then I have certain people I like to listen to in commentary and in teaching. And um, I can tell you there's probably only about five that I do, and I think none of them are on television. They might have an occasional half-hour show now here and there, but most of them are not on television. <laughs> and so I'm i am I'm careful on, on where I uh, get the facts. I looked up a, a couple of things uh, because I was trying to find actually the date when Philippi, uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians, was written. And there was two different um, diversions in idea about it, and so... I looked them up and did some research. Now, why do I say that? To make me sound like I'm cool? No. To tell you that when I don't know, I know I can find out. And the same is for you. We can buy books. If you want to go buy yourself a 15-pound Strong's Concordance, you can do that. Sometimes they have the little ones, which I can't even read with cheaters. Or, or you can buy a good commentary, Matthew Henry's a good, consistent, steady one, or you can use, like, Blue Letter Bible, which has the Greek, the Hebrew, even the Chaldean has everything in it, and you just click a little number right where you're reading, and it'll bring it right up. So anybody can be a student, and we're supposed to be, right? It isn't just for teachers to be a student those that teach the word that get, uh, you know, and really we all teach in one degree or another anyway. So back to Luke 21. I want to um, skip the part about uh, Jerusalem and that event because in Luke 21, Jesus is speaking now to a group of believers, and at the end of the chapter in 21, it even talks about how all people's, came to hear him teach, meaning it was not just the Jews. In Matthew 24, he was talking when the disciples and him had come aside. So they are two different events, and you will find that there is a variation. In Luke 21, from the beginning until verse 25, he begins talking about the second coming, what we refer to as the second coming. But in the beginning is when he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem and lets them know they need to get out of there. And what's going to happen, okay? So I want to start because this pertains to us, I believe. The wor- I'm going to talk right now about fear, worry, and care over things happening in the earth, okay? So we're going to read starting at verse 25. And I hope that you don't mind. I'm just going to go ahead and read in the Amplified. I was going to do King James, so bear with me. It will be a little different than yours. There will be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars, and upon the earth there will be distress, trouble, and anguish of nations in bewilderment and perplexity without resources left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, not knowing which way to turn at the roaring, the echo of the tossing of the sea. Now, in the beginning, excuse me, for the signs and the wonders, the moon and the stars, doesn't that sound a little reminiscent of Acts chapter 2, in which Peter preached and quoted Joel chapter 3? It is, doesn't it? Does it? To you? Does it? (laughs) Okay. Uh, I just just happened to notice that, that it's amazing how uh, we get saved and we learn these things, and they seem so fresh and new, and yet that information has been has been going on and been out there for so, so long. And, you know, of course, Peter had heard this. He heard these words from Jesus himself before he preached in Acts chapter 2. Okay. Men, verse 26, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming on the world. For the very powers of the heavens will be shaken and caused to totter. Or men's hearts will fail them for fear. And I know that in the earthquake they had in Kalinga, that nobody died. But one man had a heart attack. And they, they believe it was, many people have said who knew him that it was because of fear. Um, that his heart, it, it's, he was so stressed that his heart uh, then had a heart attack and he did pass away. 27. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great transcendent and overwhelming power, and all his kingly glory, majesty, and splendor. Now when these things begin to occur, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption and deliverance Is drawing near. Now, when he says, and then they're going to see the Son of Man, well, according to Revelation, we are going to be with the Son of Man when he returns. So I don't think we're going to go at the same time and come down at the same time, which is another reason why I believe uh, in uh, the pre seven years that we will have a rapture. It doesn't mean that as soon as the rapture comes, the seven years is going to begin. So anyway, that's another story. If you, if you want to study that, I, will, I would recommend uh, on YouTube, Chuck Misler gives a really extensive teaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel. And it's very thorough. Um, he's a commentator. He's, not a, he's a teacher slash commentator. But he expounds, and so it can get a little wordy. And, but uh, it's very accurate. He's a very accurate person. Okay, so that concerns the things coming on the earth and the things that will happen. And later on, we're going to read a little bit more of that toward the end of the chapter about how should we then live. Now, first of all, our main focus is what do we do with worries, cares, and fears? What do we do with them? How do we treat them? And then there's how do we live concerning these times that bring the worry and the fear? Now, secondarily, something that you're very familiar with is the more personal level of worries and fears rather than all these huge, humongous things and disasters and, and um, perilous things that are happening in the earth. Of course, when Paul said that, what he considered perilous was the behavior of people. That's interesting, isn't it? We consider perilous events. I found I found that so interesting today. Anyway, I'm going to read from Luke 12. You don't need to turn there unless you want to. I'm just going to read a few things about what we normally think about when we are comforted by these scriptures. We think about our own personal needs and wants, which is okay because that's part of what the scripture says to give to God. Our through prayer we can give to God our needs, our wants, okay? And supplication. He says, Uh, In uh, 22 of Luke 12, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, take no thought what you shall eat, neither for your body what you'll put on. I changed three times tonight, you guys. Three times I changed. I changed my shoes three times. And you know, I'm not a wishy washy kind of person. I had it all planned, but you know, I had to start laughing at myself, and I thought, you know what? I don't care. Maybe I should just, you know, put a long sack on. I mean, it's just, it doesn't really matter. I, it wasn't important to me. It just happened to be what was happening. I would get dressed, and I wouldn't be comfortable. And to me, I can't preach if I'm uncomfortable. That's why I never wear bracelets. You won't see that happen, because they make me nuts if I'm preaching. And uh, comfortable shoes is a must. And anyway... I'm sorry, that's a sidebar that's not important to you. But we're not supposed to care what we put on our raiment. Consider the ravens, verse 24, for they neither sow nor we- reap, neither, which neither have storehouse nor barn. They don't have a bank account. They don't have a savings. They don't have a 401K. And God feeds them. How much more better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought or taking a care, can add to your stature one cubit? Can you grow by caring real hard? Can you change how many hairs on your head if you really squeeze out a worry? I mean, some people are like professional worriers. They could literally hire out to worry for other people. And you like, can't even, it's really hard to like break them loose out of it. I mean, you can quote the scripture and pray over them and lay hands on them. And they say, well, I don't know. And I think usually at that point, it's pretty much a spirit in the family. And they've learned it. And then they got the spirit to boot. So anyway, that's just my own kind of thinking. But I've seen people, I, I would call it where they're completely unpersuadable. They are unpersuadable. And uh, sometimes you just can't help them. If you then being able to do the thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? If you can't even do that, then, then why do you take thought for more? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they don't toil, blah, blah, blah. We know that. So that's on a more personal level things we could care or be concerned about. So now I want to read this to you in 1 Philippians 4, 6 in the Amplified. And I'm going to start at verse... Oh, this is funny. Can I just say something funny here? Because we're, we, um, we're pretty much going to get through this really rather quickly. Okay. He says in verse 3, I find this funny because this whole book, he's telling them how to live. They knew that this is the guy that was in prison that got broke loose in our own city out of, out of being chained up. And uh, then he preached, and he'd been beaten and, and with Silas, and, and, and then he became our friend, and then we got saved through him. And, and this whole thing, they, they know and understand Paul's background and he theirs, right? But it's really cool how most of it is considered one of Paul's sweetest letters and kindest letters, understanding especially that he was imprisoned. But right here I find it really kind of funny. He says, now, I exhort you to, my genuine yoke fellow, help these two women. There's two women having trouble. Let me see. I might have to go to verse 2. Oh, yes, go to verse 2. I entreat and advise Eodia. And I entreat and advise sent to agree and to work in harmony in the Lord. And I heard one person say that he's entreating odious and too soon touchy to get in agreement with each other, and that that is something that is a common challenge in a church. So that's really kind of a a small thing and a common thing. There was no big rebukes in here. But as he goes on and he tells the others, I exhort you to, verse 3, my genuine yoke fellow, help these two women to keep on cooperating, for they have toiled along with me and spreading of the good news, the gospel, as have Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. Now, rejoice can be... Uh, you can have a feeling that makes you happy. You can have something happen or someone say something that makes you have joy or you feel good. But rejoicing is an act. And it's something that we choose to do. And Paul is speaking from experience that he learned how to rejoice. And then he says... Again, I say, rejoice. Verse 5: Let all men know and perceive. Listen to this: Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfish, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near, He's coming soon. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. About what? About anything. But, in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, or the King James says supplication, and there's a difference between the two, petition, or definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Now, prayer that word there is generalized prayer. So it could be intercession, it could be prayer for other people, it could be just prayer in general. Supplication is when you're making known a want or a need for a, a humble request, a petition that you're making before the Lord. So he's including those two things. And he says, then the peace of God, after you've prayed, and this is what I do, and maybe this will help you. I'm very good with prayer. With, um, I'm very needy of visuals that's how I remember things in God and that's how I see things in the spirit when God shows me things he doesn't usually just tell me I usually see something and then he tells me what it is okay so I have a care a worry and a fret and an anxiety Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's about whether or not provision is there. Maybe it's about whether or not if I go to a foreign country, my plane's going to get blown up by somebody, which really I don't care about it because I'm only going to go when God wants me to. But let's say I do have some preaching. I I had to use this preaching because I would not sleep the night before I preached because I'd be so concerned I'd say something wrong. And then after I preached, I wouldn't hardly sleep the next night because I'd have so much fear that I had made a mistake. And what God showed me is it was all just pride about me. (laughs) That helped. But I used to use this scripture, and I would make my list. The word will be anointed. The people won't get tired. Their flesh won't get weary. I won't say anything that's not scriptural. And I would literally just make this list. I actually wrote one out because I was so tormented. I had a tormenting spirit telling me all I did was mess up. And so I I would take that, and that's just an example, but take whatever it is, and then I would say, okay, by prayer and supplication, I give this to you. And I would tell myself, and I would see it, this is God's desk. Now, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that it's in your hands, not my hands. Then, when the enemy would come to try to stir that up again, and he always does, I would say, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, I gave that to the Lord yesterday, or I gave that to the Lord um, last June. I gave that to the Lord back then. And so whenever that would try to come back, instead of letting it mull over, because this is something the Lord told me, if you don't deal with it right away, it's going to be harder to get rid of. If you let a worry or a fear or care and anxiety stay on you a length of time, it will be much more difficult to get rid of it. So deal with it right away. And when the enemy tries to bring it back, go, no, 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 it's not mine. It's over there on his desk. God's bigger than me. He's the one that's the only one that can get it done anyway. So I'm just going to thank him again and praise him again because I have peace in my mind because he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, right? Isaiah 26, 3. Okay. So, also he said, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. And this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, here's another thing. It's not just casting it and giving it to God. It's also replacing that with prayer. So, here's here's one phrase I think is very eloquent. Care and prayer are as mutually opposed as fire and water. That's by a man named Bingle. But this is what came to me. You can be full of care or you can be full of prayer. And we need to choose. Do I want to be full of care or do I want to be full of prayer? Because when you get into prayer, you get close with God. But I will say, you can pray completely in doubt and unbelief. And some people can pray in doubt and unbelief all of the time. And that's really sad because they're praying, but they really don't believe. And I've done that myself, and I've had to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're praying, but you really don't believe. You need to get this down in your belly and really get the scripture down in your belly on this issue so that you're fully persuaded. And there's no condemnation because the Bible says that Abraham, Abraham became fully persuaded what God promised would come to pass. He was promised a child, but what did he do? He had Hagar. He had a baby. He got impatient. But eventually he was fully persuaded that God was going to bring forth his son out of his own loins, which was Isaac. Isaac. So there's no condemnation in growing. The problem is when we don't grow and we, we stay in the same place. We stay after 20 years having the same problem and we've not really attacked it with God, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God to conquer it. And sometimes you conquer it on one level and then you get attacked by a new devil on a new level and you have to conquer it again. But that's okay. Welcome to Christianity. That's why we look forward to heaven. Amen? Yippee for heaven. I want to go. But I want to see a whole lot of people stolen out of Satan's hands first. Amen. So now I just want to read to you, how should we then look at our lives? Let's go back to Luke 21, which is in my Bible somewhere. It's funny how you know where things are, and then you're preaching, and you get excited, or you're into your notes or your sermon, and all of a sudden, a Bible in the book just disappears. You're trying to find... Ah, oh, but thank God that God's people are loving and kind and patient. Okay, so now I was ending with verses 34 through 36 of Luke 21. First of all, I'll read it since it's short in the King James. Take heed to yourselves, lest any time your hearts be overcharged and surfeiting with drunkenness and cares, anxieties and worries, of this life so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man. So that's, that's true of those that are raptured with uh, the twinkling of the eye and the sound of the trump. And that's true for those that get saved. Uh, during the, um, the time of sorrows and the, uh, the um, wrath to come in the last three and a half years of the seven-year period that we call tribulation. But he says that we're to watch and to pray. So this is our demeanor, and I'm going to read it now in the Amplified, which makes it extremely clear. Keep awake, then, and watch at all times. Let's stop right there. Now, when he said watch in this period of time, you understand that cities were not guarded by policemen and cars and, and special equipment. Or some of them didn't even have walls. Most of them did. But a watchman would be someone that would change shifts um, in the Old Testament, I believe it was every four hours. In the New Testament, I'm pretty sure it was every three hours. And Because they had to s- literally stand and watch or go back and forth. And so when they talk about the watch, they're talking about sort of a military term of vigilance. And, and you would probably fire someone that fell asleep on the job, more than likely. Keep awake then and watch at all times, be discreet, attentive, and ready, praying that you may have the full strength and ability and be accounted worthy to escape all these things taken together that will take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. Um, Oh, okay, and that's enough right there. Verse 36. Stay awake and pray. Or, I like to say it this way, it's easier, it's quicker, and it's very biblical. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. When you're praying, watch and see what you're seeing. Because God can show you things to come. God will show you what you need to do. Sometimes it's not an audible voice, but it's just a slight sort of unction. a movement within you that will sort of give you peace if you go this way and not that way. You know, I wonder sometimes when people say, I hear God said this and God said that and God said this and God said that and God said this to me and God said that to me. And I know that does happen and I feel that happens. I usually see something and through it God says something to me. But sometimes I actually hear him say something. But I don't hear him say something to me day and night, all day long, even though I'm fellowshipping with him. As we talked in the last four sessions about the Holy Spirit and being aware he's a person and he lives inside us and to treat him as such, and to fellowship with him on a continuous basis as not just this, you know, floating power, but as a person who dwells inside of us. So anyway, that's it. I want to just share this last quote, and then we're done. There is a care of diligence, which is our duty, and agrees with a wise forecast and due concern, but there is a care of fear and distrust which is sin and is folly, and only perplexes and distracts the mind. As a remedy against perplexing care, constant prayer is recommended. Not only stated times for prayer, but in everything by prayer. In other words, as you're walking, as you're going. We must join thanksgiving with prayers and supplications. Not only seek supplies of good, but own own the mercies that we have received. God needs not to be told our wants or desires. He knows them better than we do. But he will have us show that we value the mercy and we feel our dependence on him, the peace of God, the comfortable sense of being reconciled to God and having part in his favor. And the hope of the heavenly blessedness are a greater good than can be fully even expressed. And that's a quote from Matthew Henry, which I think is a very, very, very good commentary, very stable. And, and uh, no, no uh, even though it was written many years ago, a century or so, I think he was in the 1800s. Was he in the 1800s, where You would know probably. Seventeen. I listen to a lot of the guys. There's a um, one word today, or you can find it by just typing in classic commentaries, and you can get all the guys from the 17 and 1800s. That They really have some profound but yet very solid things to, to say. They don't make up little doctrines as they go along. And so I like to read them. And I would encourage you to do so. Find someone, one that's your favorite. Ask for a Matthew Henry commentary for Christmas. Um, he's very good. Anyway, I just—I want to thank you for coming out tonight and, and just tell you how much I love you. I really do love you, each and every one of you. And uh, in the love of the Lord and, and as my friends also. I just want to say that I know God is going to care for us no matter what happens in this world. We are in the hand of God. And just remember this. God will show us the Goshen, even if it's going into our prayer closet of peace. Even as the Egyptians were in torment under all the plagues, the people of God were in a safe city with full light in Goshen cared for and i believe that's a type and a shadow for for knowledge or for telling of what would happen in the end days as well so take no thought do not fear when the thought comes just say i'm not taking it and let it go and trust that the lord loves you you know if you ever doubt i will tell you one thing i heard from someone that changed my life Don't stop and think about how many scriptures you need to quote. Just think about how much God loves you. If you think about how much he loves you, it's harder to doubt that he'll give you what he's promised. Amen?